I've been coming to this church since 1992. Uh, many of you know my story. I pulled into the upper parking lot right over here. I pulled my, my, my parking spot. was pretty much at the top of that little outside staircase we have there. And I came down. I sat right in the back over there, um, maybe, maybe last row, maybe second to last row. And I remember I got here, and I looked at Joan. I said, this church is way too far. We're never coming here again. And uh, sat back there. And as Elaine Bennis would say, yada, 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 now I'm the pastor. Um, and so that's ca- kind of how it happened. Um, and uh, why do I tell you that? And I, I talked to a couple of the old timers this morning, and no one's corrected me yet. I've been coming here for a quarter of a century, over a quarter of a century. And as far as I know, this church has never done a series on money or finances. In over a quarter of a century, we've never talked about it. Now, I get that. Trust me, I get that. Truth is, uh, you know, if you, you know, the reality is you're not going to pack the church when you, when you start telling people, oh, we're going to talk about money, right? Uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I probably am not going to be part of setting attendance records here through this series. I get it. People come to church, they want to be inspired and uplifted and, and challenged spiritually. They don't want to hear, you know, they don't want to hear about money especially since I know, I know, I know, the underlying presumption is going to be if the church is talking about money, it's because they want mine. Ladies, if your husband texted you sometime late Friday afternoon and said, honey, I've been thinking about it, why don't we take the three-hour trip up to your mom's for a nice brunch this Sunday morning? It was likely after they received the church email about what we were talking about this Sunday. I mean, I get it. And... Here's the truth. My personal calling, all right? Like, I'm not a church guy. A lot of you guys know that. I didn't grow up uh, in the church. Um, my, you know, and I understand. I have a lot of friends that are, aren't church people either. And I know what the perception on the street is, that the church just cares about money. And I get that. And, and I, you know, I've done the math, right? There's 92,962 people that live within one town of our church that don't have any kind of personal relationship with Christ. And so what, I, what I've wanted to do is, since I know they have a preconceived notion about the church and money, I didn't want any desire not to create a stumbling block towards faith for them. I myself, have not, I've never spoken about money. I want you to invite your friends here and not be going, oh, no, you know, I, invite, I invited my friends and he talked about money. And so kind of strategically, uh, I have not, you know, I have not unintentionally avoided the issue. And I think lastly, as a church, we, we've been committed as a people primarily to heart-level teaching, right? It's been mostly targeted trying to get the wisdom of Christ, the teaching of Jesus, into our hearts so there'd be some transformation there. Because at the end of the day, God's greatest desire, we know this from studying over these last six weeks. I just had a college kid come up to me in the foyer and says, this Yahweh series, I've been away at school, but I've been watching it online. It's incredible. Right? We, we know more than anything else, God wants to be known and he wants to know you. His first priority is not your behavioral modification. His first priority is not getting you to be a good little boy or a good little girl and say the right things and do the right things and give the right amount. That's not his primary focus. His primary focus is to connect his heart to yours and that through that heart connection, life would flow and you'd be transformed. And so I guess... I guess that's maybe a little bit of the irony. You know, we say, you know, I've said that we, we want to focus on Jesus' teachings. And, and, and it's pretty incredible then if that's true, because, you know, that these teachings have heart connection issues. If that's true, 
I don't know how we have gone a quarter of a century and not talked about money. Here's why, and think about this now. Some of you know this. When Jesus taught, there's one real sermon of Jesus that recorded. We'll talk about that in a moment. But how did Jesus teach? He had a technique. Anybody know what that technique was called? He taught in parables, right? Essentially story form. Really, it was because he was trying to it, it slip things past our defense mechanisms into our heart. And so Jesus taught in parables. The, the, the scriptures say, if you count them up, there's about 38 parables, stories that Jesus told. Of those parables, 16 of them are about money. Almost half of what Jesus taught through this famous form of teaching parables is about money. Actually, if you do the work on this, 10% of the Gospels are about money. More shockingly so, 15% of every word that came out of Jesus' mouth that's recorded in the Bible, guess what it's about? Money. I can't teach you about Jesus without talking to you about money. I can't do it. I mean, I've done a pretty good job. It's been 25 years. But, you know, eventually the clock runs out. Now, it's not just a Jesus issue. It's the entirety of the scripture. In the Bible, prayer is mentioned in about 500 verses. Uh, there are less verses than that on faith. Money is referenced in the Bible over 2,000 times. I, you know, I would be less than an adequate pastor to you if I did not take some time. And I look, I'm afraid, but I, I get it. I, I don't want you to go, you know, especially if you're visiting or you brought a friend today, I get it. And we'll talk about why it's not really a money issue. There's something else afoot here. But I would be less than an adequate pastor if I didn't teach you and talk to you about money. Because for Jesus and the writers of the scripture, money isn't something that needs to be avoided, the discussion avoided by the church. It should be a regular part of the conversation in church. And so all of that begs the question, Jesus came to die for my sins. I know that. I love that. Yahweh, right? Slow to anger, gracious, compassion. I got all that. Love that. Then what's all the talk about money? I mean, if you look at the Bible, right? The Bible is essentially, it's not the Bible. It's essentially 66 books, some of which are 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 letters, uh, and they're written by 40 authors across three continents over, over a few thousand years. The reality is there's a ton of talk about money. Why? I mean, if you've been here, you know I've been telling you for years that the, the Bible is essentially a story from beginning to end about God's relentless love for you, for his creation, how he pursues, disciplines, forgives, reconciles, and restores us to him. Well, yes, it is that, and that... Because that is the story, that is exactly why it talks so much about money. Because, here's why. Here's why. If you want to know why the Bible talks so much about money, here it is. There is nothing competing for your heart, the heart that God wants, more than money. Money, or maybe generically put kind of our stuff, it is our common mistress. It is our not-so-secret lover. Now, as we've seen over these last weeks, as God revealed himself as Yahweh, one of the character traits he reveals about himself is that he's a jealous God. He's jealous over you. And so often over what causes God the greatest jealousy is not that many of us run off and worship the devil or not that many of us run off and, and worship like a wooden carved idol. So often what causes God's greatest jealousy is our affair with, our trust in, and our love for stuff. This mixing 
co-mingling of faith and fortune, if you will. It's not just a Jesus thing. It's not just a Christian thing. It's, it's a fact. It's, it's, it's all world religions, at least all the major ones. All of them have statements about, about finances. You can't, church, hear me now. You can't be a devout anything. You know, you might go, well, I don't want to hear about this. I'm going to go down the street. You can't be a devout anything without there be, being some instruction, some teaching about money. Every religious system has something to say about how you handle your finances. You can't be a person of faith. I don't care what the faith is. You can't be a person of faith and say, well, here's the deal. You know, I'm, I, my God thing is over here, and my money thing is over here, and they don't have anything to do with each other. Now, I'm going to make a bold statement here. I can feel the email coming. You know, wait until you get to your car. But, you know, you, I think this is true. You really can't be a serious follower of Jesus Christ without that faith impacting in some significant way how you handle your money. There's just no way around it. I mean, Jesus just talks about it over and over and over again. I'm not making it up. Now, here's what's interesting about the Bible and Christianity's teaching about money, maybe different than, than maybe the faith background you've come out of. The Bible actually says a lot about money, but almost none of it is related to giving money. Now, there is teaching on giving money, and I'll make sure not to miss that. But uh, we'll look at that. But what most of the Bible mostly talks about with money is not about giving money, but it talks with, about how to deal with money, how to handle money, how to understand money and the danger, the grave danger that money um, poses for each of us. Now, I have to be honest. This has been a difficult week for me, I, I, you know, laying this series out. And here's why. You know, a lot of times you're like, you know, you, 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 in my teaching prep, there's you're trying to find um Material, You know what I mean? I want to bring you guys the best that I can. I spend a lot of time on this. It's a lot of weeks. Weeks. It's like I want to find the, the best material. There is so much material in the Bible on, on money that I, I, on Wednesday, was overwhelmed. I got in a bad mood because I'm like, I got a couple weeks to go over this, right? Like, just think this through, okay? If I was just going to teach you one parable a week, just a parable, this doesn't have any, no Old Testament will eliminate most of the Old Testament. We won't talk about any of Paul's letters. All we're going to do is look at the parables, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If I was just going to do that and preach through the parables on money, I'd be here for four months. Do you know how many of you would be left here after four months of me preaching through money? My wife would be gone after week eight, right? I get it. So I gotta take this and focus this down and try to try to because I gotta be I gotta be I gotta be authentic to the scriptures. I I gotta focus it and it's been hard, but away we go. Okay, so we're gonna start we're gonna start at the heart level and then we'll move to the practical over the next couple of weeks about this. Jesus it did most of his teaching in parable form, but he did teach this one really famous sermon. It was on the side of a mountain. Anybody know what it was called? Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had a very creative team that put that title together for that. Um, Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, we love the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah, right? But right there in the middle of it, right there on the side of the mountain, he drops this in. 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not bring and steal, break in and steal. Now, a lot of times when Jesus teaches stuff, he, he needs to teach it in parable, right? Because he wants to get it through, right? Figure out a way so your heart gets connected to the story. Sometimes his teaching is so kind of difficult to understand. Jesus actually explains what he meant. This is fairly straightforward. Do not, don't, whatever you do, do not spend your whole life working, accumulating, taking the gifts and the talents that I've given you. Do not take all of that, pile it in to this kingdom here on earth because it is all temporary anyway. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It's all, it's, it, it, don't do it. Now, we know this. We know this. But it's really hard. It's really hard. Even though we know, like, my mom is getting older. I was over there uh, over the other day, uh, two days ago, helping her put some stuff away, right? My mom changes out all of her tchotchkes, right? So, uh, hi, mom. Uh, uh, so she changed out her tchotchkes, right? So it was, uh, Halloween was over, and Thanksgiving... I thought she'd move right on to Christmas, but we had to full blow the house in Thanksgiving decor first. So I was over putting out all the Lennox for, for Thanksgiving. And, uh, and Courtney was there, and she had just gotten this new tchotchke from a relative, and, and he had put it out. And Courtney goes, boy, that's really nice. And my mom comes out and hands her the Lennox box. Here, take it. Um, because she's, my mom's getting to the age where she's starting to realize this is all gone. You know, my, my friend Eric Muchmore, he gave me the best story on this one time that really you know, got through my heart. Uh, he was moving his mom and dad out of the house they had shared together, you know, for, I guess, like 40-plus years, and they were moving to kind of their little retirement village. And uh, Eric said, I w went there to take them home and to drive them in a new place. And as we walked out of the house for the last time, I locked the door, and we walked down the driveway to my car, and there was a giant dumpster in the driveway. And he said there in the giant dumpster was most of their worldly possessions. I don't know if your parents had this, if you're, if you're my age, maybe they did they did, remember when the stereos used to come in a big wood cabinet, you know? And so uh, Eric said sticking up out of the dumpster was this giant wood cabinet with the stereo in it. And as he walked by, Eric's dad looked at his mom and said, you know, for 40 years, you wouldn't even let me put a drink down on that thing. And now look. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's going, whoa, 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 whoa. I know what's going to happen. Do not, do not. Build, store up for yourselves treasures here because they're going away. This is, this is silly. This is folly. Now, he then goes on to say one of the most profound sayings, and I've always gotten this backwards really until I spent some time this week working on it, a profound teaching about your heart. Here's what he said. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. Wherever your stuff is, wherever you have piled up your things, whatever you have invested most into, that is going to be where your heart is going to be. Now here, I've always misunderstood this teaching, and I think it's been taught incorrectly. Mostly it's been used kind of by preachers to get people's money. Right? Well, you know, don't be a hypocrite. If you say your heart's with Christ, you better, you know, make sure your, your money is too. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Right? Jesus is saying almost the opposite. He's saying, because what is he interested in? Jesus is not interested in your money. Breaking news. 
but he is interested in your heart. He's jealous over your heart. What's at stake in this life and the next is your heart. And what Jesus is talking about here is a heart training exercise. He's saying, look, invest like crazy, not in this kingdom. Go all in, push all the chips to the center of the table in the other kingdom, in the next kingdom. Invest there. Don't stockpile here. Stockpile blessing there. Here's why. Because when you do that, that's where your heart will get focused. That will be, trust me on this now, See this, wherever you invest, wherever you've put all your time, energy, and, and Jesus, I mean, just it is what it is. He's talking about your money here. Wherever you've been putting most of your money, a significant portion of your money, wherever you've been investing, that is what you're going to begin to dream about and think about and hope in, right? You'll wonder over what it's going to be like when the return comes back for it. You'll get comfort there as you think about what, what, is, what is coming for you, what the return on that investment is going to be. Now, I know that this principle is true. Here's why. How many of you, raise your hand if you have a, okay, before I do this, I'm not asking for any money from your 401k, okay? <laughs> raise your hand if you have a 401k, right? Okay, now, in 1989, I started investing in a 401k. And I remember, remember the first time you get your 401k statement uh, when you're young? You're like, oh, my statement. And you get it, and you're like, <laughs> right? Like, that's it, you know? And so something happens. Your first statement you're excited about, but then for a while, you don't really look at that statement because there's nothing much going on there, and it's kind of depressing, right? Now, I have been investing. I probably shouldn't be saying about my investment, but I have been taking 6% of my salary since I have been 21 years old and putting it into a 401k. Now, I can't wait for my statement to come. I love when it comes. I didn't love it in 2008, but now I love it again. Um, why? Because I've been investing there and now I've built up a nice amount of treasure there, right? And so when I, when I get that statement, you know what I start to do? I start to dream about what I'm going to do with that money. You know, let's see, if I keep 6% a year and I compound, if I can make 5% and I compound that over the next, what? how old would I have to be? You, you know, because I want to retire. You know what I want to do when I retire, right? Nothing. And so, and so, you know, I sit around and I wonder what kind of in, in return on my investment I need so I saved my whole life so I could do nothing, right? It doesn't make any sense. But, but I, I think about it like, you know, what if, if I took a portion of this, could I get, I mean, could I get a condo? Could I, could I get a condo at the shore and a Florida house? Like, is that possible? Like, it depends on, and see, so you, you see where my treasure is. And you see where my heart is. And this is what Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Where you put your treasure, that's where your heart is going. And this is very dangerous for you, Jesus is saying. This is why it is not an instruction like where your heart is, that's where you should invest. He goes, no, no, I'll tell you where your heart is. <laughs> where your heart is is wherever you put your treasure. He's teaching us about our humanness. If you want to know where someone's heart is, where their treasure is, because where their treasure goes, their heart follows, you, you need to know it. This has been very convicting to me. I hate preaching services that are convicting to me. But I acknowledge, I need, I need, I've reflected on this truth. I need to do better. Because here's, I mean, I look, you know, I talk a good game, right? 
you know, you know, I come up here and I preach and I know, you know, I know the scripture and I lead prayer groups and mission trips and elders meetings. And you might make presumptions about where my heart is. Oh, he quit his job. He's a pastor. God's not impressed. What God would say is, if you guys want to really want to see where his heart is, let me show you his checkbook. That'll show you where his heart is. Because where his treasure is, that's where his heart is going. Jesus says this isn't just true of me, that it's true of you. And it's funny because we try to separate the things of the heart and the things of the world, right? It's like, oh, you know, don't mix the heart and money. And, but, but when it comes to money, Jesus doesn't allow that as an option. In fact, he, he couples them really closely. We just had this incredible time of learning and celebrating. Thursday night, worshiping Yahweh together was just so incredible. And I know in your flesh, you might go, John, you're going to go from this incredible night of worshiping Yahweh and to talk about money you were taught, you, you, all of us were so engaged in worshiping God on Thursday night. We were moved to tears. We were out in the parking lot. It was incredible. Now you're going to talk about money? That doesn't make any sense. To which Jesus would go, I think that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Because it's all about your heart. Jesus would say, look, I know your heart's going to follow your stuff. And honestly, I don't want to compete with your stuff. I want your heart, and because I want your heart and your heart tends to follow your stuff, then I want you to surrender 10% of your stuff. No. Because your heart follows your stuff, here's what I want you to do. I want you to surrender all of it to me. I want all of it. Now, God does not need your car oh, I just got a new Volvo. Are you telling me God wants me to surrender my Volvo? God does not need your Volvo. He's got a pretty good gold chariot thing going on up there, I'm fairly certain, right? I just got this, you know, 5,000 square foot place in Randolph. You're telling me God wants my house? No, no, I'm fairly certain God has better digs than you have. Now, he's not looking for your stuff. He doesn't need it, Right? What God wants is your heart, and he knows that your heart follows your stuff. So what he's saying is, I want you to, this is what we do when we dedicate our children, right? We surrender our children publicly back to the will of God. We take this treasure of ours and say, here. And what God is asking is for you to do that with all of it, all of your treasure. Put it all on the table and say, you know what? I acknowledge that this is actually all yours. I need to invest everything I have in your kingdom, and I have to stop building them on because where my treasure is. That's where my heart's going. Now get this straight. Here's what God is saying. I don't want your money. I don't want your stuff. I don't need your car, right? But I want your heart and it follows your stuff. This is why Paul wrote, Paul, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, said this. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. How would one set their heart on things above? You train your heart by putting your treasure there. You, move, you, you, you start to actually believe that there is, this is worth it, that, that I'm going to put my treasure there and my heart, my dreams, my comfort will all go there. 
Paul says, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. How do you do that? You put your treasure there. So first Jesus says, where's your heart? If you want to know the truth, and I looked at it this week on my my own, I said I need to do a a better job because I'm not sure that I've set my heart on. I think I, I, I might be spending too much time building up treasure here. And it's going to hurt my heart. And I want that. Now, Jesus goes on and he tells a weird little story here. He actually, in the Sermon on the Mount, tells four straight money stories. Very weird, right? You wouldn't think that, but this is Jesus, the one we say we follow. He tells four straight money stories. This one's nestled right in the middle of the four. Here's what he says. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now you might read that and go, well, that's kind of weird. That doesn't, I didn't, he didn't mention anything about money in there. He, but, but here's what he's teaching. He's teaching you about what happens, the dangers of setting, building your treasure here because of what it does to your heart and then what the impact that will have on your life. Some of you know Jesus taught a parable about uh, a landowner going out and hiring people to come work in his fields. If you remember that story, Jesus goes out early, well, the, the landowner goes out early in the morning and he brings guys in to work in his field and some of them work all day, you know, from sun up to sundown. And then as the day goes on, the landowner keeps going out and bringing people in at different times. Eventually, he gets down and he brings the last guys in like right before they're about to close shop. And then the landowner goes to pay everybody. And if you know the story, they all agreed on what their pay was going to be. And, and he pays them all the same thing. And you remember what happened with the guys that, that were there in the beginning? They're not happy. And so they start to complain. Do you know how Jesus answers their complaints? He says, is your eye bad? Because I'm good. Is your eye bad? Because I am good. Jesus is saying to them, your worry over, your focus on your money, your equity, your pay, on, on what's getting yours has gotten greater than the joy over a, a, a merciful king. You now care more about getting yours for this kingdom than everybody, than, than this merciful God, God that is allowing everybody to get something they don't deserve. Your worry about your, your money has become more important than the celebration of our mercy. And when our eyes start to fall to our stuff, that's when our heart goes. When our heart goes, our body starts to fill with the darkness of the world. And you felt it. The worry, the doubt. He's not done, though. He keeps going. He holds the audience, too. He says, look, no one. That's a pretty, pretty bold statement. No one. Not, that means none of you or me. None of us can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You, summary statement, You cannot serve God and money. See, don't you really wish you could? I mean, I do. It'd be so great to have my own stuff and, like, God on the side, which is usually the the way we operate, right? In our Yahweh teaching over these last weeks, we we talked about the concept of spiritual warfare, right? And how uh, 
There are little g gods that are, that are at work, that are our enemies in the spiritual realms, right? Some, they're all created. Some are angels and they're good. Some are demons and they're bad. And the Bible has different words for these things. Rulers, powers, principalities, right? All right, so what we tend to think in the Christian world is we blame everything on the devil. Oh, spiritual warfare. You know, the devil made me do it. But it's interesting, it's like the Bugs Bunny thing, right? You know, you got Bugs Bunny, he's got the devil over here in the red jumpsuit and the pitchfork, right? And the angel with the wings, right? And so we tend to think that we are in our day-to-day -day lives in a spiritual battle against the devil. But that's not what Jesus says here. Jesus says, oh, there's a war afoot for your soul. But the greatest danger for you, and this is why he talks about it over and over and over and over again, the greatest danger for you in the day-to-day -day is not God versus the devil, but it's God versus your stuff. Look, you can't, Jesus says, you can't love God and love money. You, you can't even like God and, and like money. There is a huge conflict. There is a war going on there. You want to know why? Because they're both competing for your heart. They're both competing for your faith. They're both competing for your trust. Is there anything more ironic than on the side of money we put in God we trust when we all realize the thing we trust in the most normally is money? They both, God and your money, both are competing to be the things where you get your comfort, where you draw your peace and significance from. You're going to serve one or the other. You will either make investing in this world and worrying about your stuff in this world. Will I have enough? Can I get the shore house? Can I travel? Let's see. Oh, I've got to think this through, right? Here's today's balance. Multiply it out. Another 20 years of working. 6% compound interest rate. A trip to Europe once a year would be about $10,000. But I could, I could do that all day, right? Can I pay all my kids? You know, can I pay what the Ivy League school costs? You know, I... Wow, what if I, you know, can I step it up to the Louis Vuitton bag, right? Like, you know, like this is what we do, right? I get it. We do it. We, it, it, we serve it. You can't serve two masters. It becomes like insidious. When you serve your stuff, you get enslaved to your, your stuff. Think about it, right? Oh, man, I got the house, but I got to insure the house. Got the short house. Need flood insurance. Need fire insurance. Need life insurance. Well, you know what? Uh, there's, I got, I, I I, my stuff is costing me more than I thought. You know, I got to get a second job so I can keep my stuff. And then, you know, ha has your stuff outgrown your garage yet? Right? I have a friend who, who's here today. He, one of his primary businesses is, is providing places for you to put your extra stuff. Right? Because what do we do once we run out of stuff? We go and rent a place to put more of our stuff. Right? Because we can't, we don't have any room for it here at home. So I, I got to get, and then the stuff that we have, well, you know, the house, that things start to wear out, break down. Well, I got to get a home equity loan to maintain my stuff. Got to shine my stuff. Got to fluff my, you know, my stuff, my stuff. My. You wind up serving yourself and Jesus is going, this is, I need to help you understand how dangerous this is for you. And then, then what we do, and we know it, is we start to base our worth off of our stuff. Well, I have more stuff than he does. I have a bigger house than he does. I have a nicer car than he does. We start to believe that our stuff says something about who we are, how successful we are, how smart we are. See, when I was a little younger and before I was in ministry, when I had a job, well, this is a job, but when I had a different job and I, I had more money than I have now, I, uh, Joan, it was her birthday, and so it always been a dream of mine to buy, buy Joan a, uh, a convertible. And so... 
I, for her 40th birthday, I saved up a lot of money, didn't tell her, and I, uh, I took some of the money and bought, used, mind you, a convertible um, for Joan, for her 40th birthday party. It was a really beautiful car. And so my 25th high school reunion was coming around. Guess which car I had to drive to that 25th high school reunion? Oh, I shined it up, right? That baby looked hot. Took a couple laps in the parking lot just to make sure that if anybody was walking in, they, you know. Why? Because I believed it said something about who I was and who they are. I got nicer stuff than your stuff. Oh, we, we start to judge ourselves by it. We start to judge others by it. We teach our kids. This is how we keep score. And there's such danger here because we, we, we become a servant of our stuff. You can't serve God and your stuff. You will love one or the other, but you can't love both. You're either going to build up your kingdom here, you're going to, and then we start to pray, God, would you please help me get more stuff? Have you ever thought through your prayers how many of them are based on trying to get more stuff? Lord, would you help me get more of my stuff that would enslave me and take my heart away from you? And, and we wonder why sometimes these prayers aren't answered. Right? Lord, help me to move my heart further away from you by giving me more things. But, the, but this is a decision. But, but the scripture says it's dangerous. This is why the, the scripture talks about it so much. It's a hard issue. It's a soul issue. It's dangerous. Do you see where it leads? This is why Timothy, in a pretty famous verse in the Bible that gets misquoted all the time, says this, for the love of money is a root. Okay, so this is where it comes from. It's the root. This is what provides, fuels all of the problems. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith. I actually know people who have left the faith, right? And they pierce themselves with many griefs. Please understand, money is not the root of all evil. That gets misquoted all the time. It's the, why? Because it's a heart issue. The love of money is the root of all of evil. See, we tend to think, boy, if we could accumulate enough of it. But you know what's interesting? Do you know what the next line is that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says? It's the fourth teaching. I'm not going to go into it. But he goes, he, he says, therefore I tell you, because I'm telling you, don't, don't invest here. Invest in the kingdom. Give your money into the kingdom. Trust your finances. Build in there. He then goes, therefore I'm telling you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Because what we tend to think is if we accumulate enough here, then we won't have to worry. We can hoard it all up and we'll have peace, but it's not true. That we are the richest society in the history of the world. Not only that, you and I live in one of the richest counties in the richest country that the world has ever seen. And our, our people are experiencing anxiety at levels that in the 50s would have had us institutionalized. It's a completely true story. This is not helping. Jesus is saying, when you, start to, when you start to invest everything here, when your focus is here, if you want to train your heart, invest there. But if you keep investing here, this is not going to get you what you want. It's not going to give you what you're looking for. If you want to lower your anxiety level, start storing up for your treasures in a different kingdom. I mean, you know, if you've been to Guatemala, you know this. You walk around, they don't have two nickels to rub together. Tony, you saw it, right? They don't have two nickels to rub together. They don't know where their next meal from is. I've never met happier people in my life. You know what's awesome? 
if I was given this profound teaching, okay, here's Jesus, right? And he's given this teaching, and you'd imagine he's a pretty good teacher, right? And so he's given this incredible teaching on money and how he's saying to people, look, you can't, your heart is going to go where you invest. You've got to start investing in the kingdom because that's where your heart will go. You know what, I, once I got done and I gave all this stuff, you know what I would immediately do if I was Jesus? In fact, I should do it right now. Somebody get the offering plate, bring it around, right? Like, that's what I would be thinking of, I'm Jesus. You know why? Where did Jesus have to rest his head? Nowhere. Jesus didn't have a home. He was an itinerant rabbi relying on the, you know, the grace of people to, to help him along. He didn't have anything. Now, if I'm Jesus, what I immediately would have done is, okay, I, you know, I've, I've taught them, and so now I'm going to, to collect. Jesus doesn't take up a, a collection. You know why? Because Jesus doesn't want your money. There's no interest in your money. Talked a lot about it. If you search the scriptures, Jesus talks a lot about it. 15% of every word was about it. But he never asks for it. Jesus doesn't want to get your money. Jesus' main concern is that your money doesn't get you. Jesus doesn't want your money. He just doesn't want your money to get you. It's dangerous. And when your stuff gets you, when it gets in your heart, when you store up treasures down here, when you begin to serve your stuff, it is a ruthless taskmaster. It will unravel you, and you will never know the peace of God that you were meant to have. I heard someone say this week, if you're in a marriage where you're constantly arguing over money, well, wouldn't that basically be all of our marriages, really? Um, you know, I do a lot of marriage counseling. Do you guys know what the number one thing we fight over is, right? Money. The speaker said, the reason that we argue so much about money is because in our marital relationship, maybe one of you, maybe both of you, we wind up serving our stuff. And when we serve our stuff, it's not a master that is going to give you any level of contentment. It is a master that is going to drive in your marriage constant worry and fear and tension and arguments. Because we begin to serve money. At least maybe one of us is. But, but could, you know, conversely, think about it. If a man and a woman were to come together and were to say, you know what, we are going to make our primary focus not surrendering our, our, our stuff into this kingdom. We're going to invest in the other kingdom in significant ways. That would then make our hearts focus over there, right? We're going to start to store up treasure over there. Then all of a sudden, the need to constantly fight over these pieces of paper with dead president's faces on them. I mean, think about it. We are wrecking families over this stuff. But if we would just listen to the Lord, he says, don't make it all about investing here. Invest, let your heart follow your money and put your money over there. So is peace. Some of you know it. But when you serve your money, Jesus said, when you serve your money, when you set your eyes on it, how dark it becomes inside us. Some of you have felt that in your relationships and in your house. So I'm going to have the band come up. We're going to be done with this for this week. Next week, I expect every one of you to be back here now because next week um, we are going to get even more practical in this teaching. As followers of Jesus, how do you invest? I mean, you know, if God doesn't need my money, what am I supposed to, what am I supposed to be doing with it? How, what does it look like to invest in, in, in another kingdom? But for today, here's what I want you to know. And I'm going to ask you to do some evaluation. Is We're going to walk through this for a few weeks, and we're going to see what the Lord does in our hearts here. He's working in mine. Today, know this. God does not want your money. I don't want your money. The church doesn't want your money. 
God wants your heart and where your treasure is, and that's easy to evaluate. You could evaluate this this week. I did it, and I didn't like the results. Where your, where your treasure is, pull out your budget, pull out your credit card, pull out your bank statements, be honest with yourself. Where your treasure is, that is where your heart is going to be. And money is a dangerous taskmaster. Church, where you put your treasure, your heart will always follow. Father, thank you for these words. Lord, I would, our, our religiosity, the past religious systems so many of us are coming out of or been involved in, it's given us this, this wrong impression, Lord. And so, you know, it gets to the point, Father, where, where we like to skip most of these teachings, where we start to think, well, that doesn't really have any, have any importance. But the truth is that your word, your word has a lot to say about this and the danger. So as a church, Father, as we walk together through some of these difficult teachings in these areas where, where we're going to need to bring a little bit more balance to our lives, some of us. But Lord, some of us, we've got debt. We're, you know, we're, we're desperate condition. Some of Lord, Lord, some of us have never been taught biblical concepts of how to how to manage your stuff, how to be stewards of your stuff. Lord, as a community, as a church, as we walk over these next weeks, would you push back the voice of doubt? Push back the voice of the evil one that would like to somehow tie money back to the old cliches about church and giving and all the rest, but instead open our eyes to the concept of how important this is, how it has, it, it, drills, it deals directly with our hearts and our souls. Father, we need to be set free. Lord, I pray freedom over your people, wisdom over your resources. In Jesus' holy name, amen.